editor, former online and managing editor, and host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. I probably should cut on the mics. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, so it's a little different in here tonight, but I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. I am not in the studio dolo, despite the way it may look. Typically, when shows are getting ready to be conducted like this, that means our Florida man fact checker is in the building. Mr. Salim Dweck, what's the deal with you, sir? Good, man. It's, it's good to see you. Good, good to, to see back. you as well. Good to be back. I... Uh, all right, so let me just go ahead and be honest. There's a lot that I got to get to today. We got a full show for you guys, a full two hours. Uh, Salim is in here ready to talk some sports with me uh, and some things that aren't sports, which we're actually going to start with. But I love the fact that when, when people do certain stuff, whether it's brand building, whether it's company building, whatever the case may be, right, they talk about organic, right? They want things to be organic, organic, organic. And you're really a guy who doesn't like the camera. And, like, this is a real thing. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> and the funny thing is, you came in, and, dog, you look like a Wolverine comic book. And part of me wanted you to not be the person that you are and was like, yes, he's going to sit in front of the camera. <laughs> and when you told me, like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't want the camera, I was like, damn, at least he's authentic. At least you're authentically yeah, you. You look like a completely different person. Think so? No, I, I'm telling you something. <laughs> I'm telling well, you something. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, the bailout for Black Moms, right? Did we do a show after that? Yeah, I think we did a show. After we did that. a show after that. We did a show All a right. Couple months after that, maybe. Sheesh. Well, my guy Salim Dweck is in the building. Uh, we have we have a lot to get to. Got to tip in to get to. Uh, I actually want to open the show with our uh our. I guess I could say watchers of our, our, our viewership here on Facebook. We appreciate you guys once again for, for tuning in. Uh, if you guys would like to do so, all you guys have to do is go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in talk that talk radio show. Once again, go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in talk that talk radio show. You can pretty much do that across most platforms. You can do it on Apple. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it on Google podcasts. In addition to Instagram, the one thing that would be different would be our Twitter. It is at talk that talk LV. Once again, our Twitter at Talk That Talk LV. Uh, in in a bit of serious news, um, just want to send out a lot of prayers, a lot of prayers to people. Um, I have a friend who is extremely close to me who just recently lost her mom. Um, rest in peace to her. Um, just prayers and and uplifting to the family. Um. I also found out, I believe, honestly, like an hour, maybe less than an hour before I got to the studio, uh, somebody I went to high school with um, passed over, like, the holiday break. Um, I believe his mom posted posted something and said that he left on Christmas Day and told her that he would be right back, and she got a call from the coroner's office the, the day after. And... Man... That's that's terrible, dude. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to my guy Sean. Um, it's just it's it's a lot that that's weighing on people right now. Uh be kind to somebody. Uh be kind to everybody. Um I just wanna send a lot of love out right now because there's a lot of people who could use it. 
<clears throat> Absolutely. So we'll go ahead and get right into stuff. My mom's tip in for today is something. Um, and, and actually, I really like this one. I, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's last name. So I'm just going to say his quote. Sorry about that, Jamie. Uh, but limitations live only in our minds. But if we use our imaginations, our possibilities become limitless. I'll read this one more time. Limitations live only in our minds. But if we use our imagination, our possibilities become limitless. I would agree with that point up in like 75% of it. All right, talk to me. Look. <laughs> I missed that. Look, here, here's the thing, right? Like so many people sell themselves short and they stop trying to move forward because they just think of something as insurmountable. And then you just look at some of the people who actually made it. The only thing they, they did was just keep going. They never stopped what other people did. It's like you're running a race or you're just walking. Everybody else just stopped and you just kept walking. Literally. However, there are certain things that just are not possible. <laughs> we don't have to, you know, we don't have to go into it. No. There's just certain things that if people want to do in life, it's just, it's not really possible. <laughs> For, I guess for a multitude of reasons, right? For a multitude of reasons. I mean, technically it's not, you know, it's not like a, you know, a person can walk on water. That would be, I'm saying, you know, if somebody wants to make it to the NBA, yeah. but they're 5'5", five, five, out of shape, five, you know, never touched a basketball in their lives, you know, you could strive, you know. Make, but you're gonna, are you saying that, are you, are you basically saying that chances are slim? Chances are slim. But you, well, 75%, you can put your mind and do it. But there are certain things where I think it's you just have to accept certain things and just be like, that's fine. This football conversation with you is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, before we do that, let, let's talk about something real quick without, without giving away our hand because nobody knows the places that I've been over the last two weeks just kind of exploring, kind of doing some interviews, kind of just intervening and checking. But the group chat is known. And... I sent you guys a video and I think I may have said it in the video. If not, I was on the phone and I was showing somebody the one of the places that I went and looked at this week, the best way that I could explain it is it's the fantasy factory. If you guys have ever seen Rob Deerdeck's fantasy factory, it is the fantasy factory for entrepreneurs. It's pretty cool. I like that. And that's all I'm going to say, because based on what my mom just said in this tip in, there are some things that you're right. I, I, I didn't even think were possible until I happen. saw this place keep, this week. You just got to keep going. Just keep walking. Speaking of keep going, Salim, we're, we're, we're not going to gonna keep going without a, without addressing this. I, I addressed it on what's today? Friday. Mm -hmm. I addressed it on Monday, but I said I was going to open up the next show with it. So I'm here to do so. I guess we'll start with Dana White. I said, Salim, I said on Magadena Thursday show. Was it Thursday show? M Monday show. Never mind. Cause we we gotta have a conversation about that whether it's on a podcast or whatever, because I do have a take on that. Um, but Dana 
I said on Monday that I didn't like the fact that Dana didn't apologize. Like, no, he didn't. I I was looking to see if he looked like remorseful. I'm not a body language expert. I don't claim to be. But I'm a human being. I can see things. Thank God. I didn't. I didn't really see any remorse. It's interesting that you say that because I said this on Monday before Dana. Had, I think Dana has spoken twice since then, and I didn't like the fact that he didn't apologize. This doesn't. And keep in mind, I didn't have anybody talk to me about Monday, but I want to go ahead and just come out and clarify one thing because it didn't sit right with me. I don't want it to get misconstrued. I. All I've said is about, all I've talked about is Dana's reaction. I have taken this stand, and as the founder of this media company, this media company takes the stand, take the stance rather, against domestic violence. Period. Bottom line. I don't know about you, but were you surprised that the, like, obviously this caused attention, but the, I felt like, when I initially heard about this, this would become bigger than it than it seems to be right now. No, because the next name we're going to talk about is Jerry Jones. Yeah. So there goes that, right? Jerry. Tell me what those two gentlemen have in common and tell me what the difference between those two gentlemen and Kyrie Irving is. Because the same list of demands that I would have thought that Kyrie Irving got... Right. Jerry Jones, that's that image that popped up soon. That, actually, no, let me get back to Dana because I feel like people are, like you said before, letting Dana off the hook. So let's get back to Dana for a second. I am a little shocked that I guess I can be. Because part of me does feel like I'm waiting, and I'm sure it'll happen. I'm guessing UFC fighters aren't hopping up to, to say it, but I'm sure that we will get some UFC fighter to say it. I don't know. I don't know whether the person comes out and condemns Dana White, but it's going, I believe it's going to come up. I do. Now, as far as the media aspect, that doesn't surprise me as weird as it may sound because of the point that I just brought up about the Kyrie Irving thing. What I have always found is... I've always asked this question about prison, for instance. Does prison rehabilitate? No. No. It's made for it. That's what you guys tell us happens in there. But Systematically, it doesn't. I mean, obviously, on an individual case-by-case basis. For sure. A lot of people do get their lives together. But, like, the point of it is not to rehabilitate. The point of it is to get you to go back. Talk about it. To provide, like, cheap labor and whatnot. Now, you just said certain people... Uh, based on certain situations, they will be rehabilitated. Why is it that whenever white men make mistakes, they get the chance to be not like you said, you didn't see it necessarily see remorse from Dana, but they're given grace. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, the Jerry Jones. Well, let's stick with Dana for now. It's weird because over the years he's done things and said things that, I mean, he has carte blanche to do whatever because he runs, you know, UFC. Yep. He can basically do whatever he wants and, you know, no repercussion. And that, you know, you can tell when you when you look at him and you hear him speak and talk. And when he's asked about fighters who, who don't get paid really 
that much money and they get brain damage in these fights. And you look at him and he doesn't seem to really, there's an air of entitlement. And like, just, I'm not going to, you know, nothing, you know. Dana's sweatshops. That's what I've heard people call him. I've heard I've heard people call it, say that as well. You know, so it, especially UFC being a violent sport, it didn't surprise me that he did something like this. Unfortunately, but I, I don't know. I uh... the, and 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 if if you guys want to talk about the video, just in hindsight, yes, I say we're against domestic violence, and if it needs to be said, and if my years of of uh just recordings the audio recordings that you got and some video recordings that you guys can go back and find if it needs to be said you guys know how i feel about men hitting women period i did just say that we stand against domestic violence period either way i of course. that 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 is true as a man there are still certain codes and certain things that you are supposed to abide by Right, exactly. I Am I that. tripping? And this is what I didn't want to like be wrong about. I've seen Dana before. I've never talked to Dana before. And by the way, and this media company does not cover the UFC. And this is not for lack of trying. This is because the UFC has not returned any of my phone calls. Um, so I don't have a, a, a dog in this in this race. You get what I mean? Or, or a horse in his race and a dog in his fight. Anything I say is only going to what? Keep me out of the UFC? And I don't think I'm saying anything glowing about Dana White in this present moment that's going to get me into the UFC. So with that being said, I thought I was tripping, but I've seen Dana before and I've never met Dana. Dana big as hell. Exactly. I mean, there's no excuse. Okay, yeah. And I think know. Dana trains, by the way. Yeah. People have said, you know, oh, well, she slapped him or whatever. Dana big as hell. It doesn't matter. Like, she. It doesn't matter. You. You know what you do. You get yourself out of the situation. You don't. You. You don't hit a woman. You. In general, you shouldn't be hitting people in general. Right. Obviously, but it, when it comes to especially things like this, when you're you're hitting your spouse, I'm. I'm not saying what she did was good. Don't don't get me wrong, but as a man, especially Dana being that big of a person. And I mean that his body size, not like, right. you know, being a bigger person, so to speak. Right. <laughs> but. No, no I there, mean, that, no that, it's a joke. I feel like it's, it's tasteless for me to laugh, but I understand the joke. He, he I, And this is why, like I said, I want to address it, because when I said what I said on Monday, I've heard Dana talk twice since then. I heard the first one and said, all right, here we go. All right. Now we're now we're on to the right path of trying to be remorseful. Then I heard Dana speak the second time. And I said, ah, we're not just going to forget about it that way, though. Like, I hope you, I just hope you understand that. And the first time that I heard him speak after the show, uh, he did apologize, which was new to me. I was like, okay, well, there's the apology I was waiting for. And then I heard some PC, a, l a little PC culture in there. And I was just like, I, I felt like some other fluff. And that's just my personal opinion. The, the second thing that I heard him say was at UFC Media Day for an event that takes place tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And John Morgan, who does his job in in an excellent fashion, did what you expect John Morgan to do. He brought it up. And Dana said that he, um, I, I believe the question was actually about punishment. You just said it. 
And I'm happy that you said what you said because Dana has complete control. What's, who's going to punish him? What's of the happen? UFC. Like, nothing's going to happen, you know? So, I seen somebody tweet. I think it might have been Joy Taylor who tweeted, why would he pick his own punishment? Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's like... What I didn't like from Dana White during that question was, what should the punishment be? Because it goes back to what you said. It was a little bit of arrogance in that answer. Right. He can. He's very well aware that he can do whatever he wants. I mean... And then what I didn't like following that was what following that what was the pun what should the punishment be? He followed it up by saying, "Well, if he suspends himself for thirty days, sixty days, or whatever, that doesn't hurt anybody but the company." Respectfully, Dana, we haven't seen it, so we don't know that. Yeah, I mean, if Dana didn't work for sixty days, a your money would get cut for sixty days. Now you're right; we have to take your word for it that you're not paying yourself, but. You're still missing the point. If that's the case. Right. There's no. And Dana understands this. He's a very rich, very powerful man. Dana's a very smart man. Let's get. Let's oh, get yeah, the facts. he is. He is get, smart. Let's get everything. Yeah. He is smart. He understands that there's nothing really that could be done to him. You know. Especially if he's not going to do it himself. Exactly. You know. So where do we go from here? I I don't know. We address Jerry Jones is what we go is where we go rather. Jerry Jones. I I didn't expect to talk this long about Jerry about these two issues, but I, I feel like I did them a disservice in on, on previous episodes. But Jerry Jones, the reason why I, I seen somebody uh, ahead of Week 18 tweeting Jerry Jones signing um <laughs> like just signing memorabilia before uh, the Dallas Washington game. They tweeted it and it was like Jerry Jones out here an hour and a half before whatever whatever the hell they tweeted. I quoted and it said cool, but has he apologized yet? Right, because I heard him after he said that. Well, the response he gave was something like, uh, "I was around it and I saw it, and I was just wondering what was going on." I was curious. I was curious. That was yeah. I, that happened when in 1957. Something like that. I think so. It. All it takes was just say, because obviously you can't go back to 1950. Like, obviously, all he had to say was, I apologize, you know, just say, you know, what happened then was abhorrent. How about you say you've grown? You've grown as a person. You no longer think, even if you did find it curious, you would not be curious. You know, I I don't know how, but there's ways to, you know. He tried to absolve other people. Exactly. That's all he had to, like, not do. What? All you had to do was just, you know. Did you say that's all he had to not do? <laughs> yeah. Like, just not absolve people. Say, you know, apologize. Be like, you know what? I've grown as a person. I've learned more about the history of this country and, and stuff like, you know. It really wasn't that, you know, nobody's going to expect anything different. What's he going to do? Go back to 1957? and sh- No. You know what's interesting? And we're going to talk about football after this. And this is just my take about Jerry Jones. I've never met Jerry Jones. I know people that know Jerry Jones. I've heard great stories about Jerry Jones. Um, people like to say that Jerry Jones isn't racist. Cool. I don't know Jerry. If Jerry's not racist, that's one thing. I'm sorry. Do, do you remember that photo of of him kneeling? Yeah. That was one of the funniest photos. <laughs> Funny or the, gross? Probably both of them. No, all the memes that came from that photo. Oh my god. Those protest too much Therefore I know the truth Is what I'm going to say About that situation However 
this 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 Jerry situation. Let's just say that he's not racist. I, cool. I let let's say that I believe that notion. Jerry's not racist. How much do we absolve Jerry from the fact that Jerry is out of touch? Let's just say that on the very surface, Jerry's only out of touch. I almost called you Matt. Salim, I am here in Las Vegas. You are here in Las Vegas. Some of the most dangerous people to be around are white people who are out of touch. Yeah, that's very true. Because now, I'm going to curse now, so be ready for this. You're oblivious to all this shit. Yeah. You're just as big of a risk to me. Yeah, that's very true. Now, do we talk football? Yeah, I guess this football. is the regular part. Salim, yeah, talk football. I, this is first of all, this is our first show, or uh, this is our first show before the postseason. Well, the last show, I should say, before the start of the postseason. And at the top of the year, you know, even though I picked Minnesota to win the NFC North, I know you've been kind of doing your own thing. You've been working, but I expected for both of us to be on this show. And for at the very least, one of us to be celebrating the postseason birth. The celebration was very short-lived. <laughs> if it was one of us, I didn't think it would be you. Well, life happens. <laughs> I told Matt on the show Monday, even if Green Bay got past Detroit in week 18, that's the first thing I said was, well, the story ends next week. But let's let's look at some of these matchups. We'll get to your Miami Buffalo matchup in a quick second. But let's start in the AFC. Let's start with the first game from the AFC. We got the Chargers and Jacksonville. Every time it gets to the postseason, to, to the postseason, especially in the NFL, uh, coaching shines brightest, right? And that's what I'm looking at a lot of these matchups. If I'm looking at this LA Charger Jacksonville matchup, I know what the talent looks like on both sides. All I see is Doug Peterson versus Brandon Staley, and this is not good for LA. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I, I that's such a toss-up game to me. Like I was going back and forth. They have the coaching advantage. I mean, like you said, uh, I don't know. The game's in Jacksonville. Yeah, man, figure it I've out. I've been to a Jaguar. I lived in Jacksonville for almost two years. You did tell me this. Uh, I went to school up there before transferring to UNLV. Shout out to UNF. Shout out to the Ospreys. Um, the Ospreys undefeated in football because they don't have a team. Um, <laughs> basketball teams is mediocre. Anyway, I was about to say, wouldn't the football team technically, technically be winless too? There's you they only have focus in on. the in the bookstore of the school. They have shirts to say undefeated, and people buy them. Football team. Oh, you don't want me to live in that same city. All right, keep going. Anyway, uh, so I, li- I lived in Jacksonville, and went to a Jaguars game actually, in 2016. Okay. Against your Packers. Uh-uh. It was Blake Bortles <laughs> versus Aaron Rodgers in September of 2016. It was so hot in that stadium. I like it, it made 115 in Vegas look look actually cool. Like our Arctic wind. Like that's Arctic how bad wind. like I had to leave in the third quarter. I was with my dad. My dad came in. Anyway, doesn't even matter. What I'm saying is I know Jacksonville fans, especially living there. Yep. They they're going to be – I mean, even if the game was in L.A., it wouldn't matter. There's no – the Chargers can go anywhere in the U.S. and they'd still have no home field advantage. You're absolutely right. 
you know. So Duval County is going to show up is what I hear from you. Oh, 100%. Even more the reason why I feel like I, I just don't, I don't see it. And I understand that. And this is what's going to be so baffling because I already sound crazy so far. I said Brandon Staley. I tried to predict this AFC West perfectly. I said that Brandon Staley would be the first head coach that was fired on Black Monday. Lovey Smith, I think you technically got fired on Black Sunday. But it wasn't the day after. Anywho, that was my hot take, right? I predicted that Denver would fought, would finish last in the division. That ended up happening. But... I didn't think the Chargers would make it to the postseason. And I thought everybody would be would be wondering, well, how does how does this talented team not make it? They make it. I think that would still be the conversation if they lose to Jacksonville. How did this talented team lose to a team that's built like this? And I think it's probably gonna happen. Let's talk about your game. Sorry, Salim. Yeah. But you're the uh Yeah. You're the only game on here during this super wild card weekend that I have probably with the lowest percentage. I probably have you guys at like a 20% only because 20%. you guys have to – I said what I said. I got like 5% victory <laughs> chance. The Dolphins, let me great. explain. Taron Armstead might play, mm-hmm. um, but that guy's a warrior, man. He's been dealing with a calf injury, a foot injury, a torn pec. That, he, that guy is a – is a warrior man so he might actually play tomorrow or sunday sorry um but other than that most of the tackles on our team are out raheem mostert is out tua we don't even, we know uh teddy bridgewater is out uh so skylar thompson under center skylar thompson you know skylar thompson is uh Do you guys still have chase edmonds no traded him, chase edmonds? traded him mid-season i believe oh look at that we got jeff wilson though Jeff oh, okay, awesome. Jeff Wilson from, Sa- awesome. from San Francisco. He's great. He's great. Uh, I think that was the same trade. Anyway. Uh, you might be right. They've had so many injuries this year. Like, So with that being said, are you are you happy with just yeah, the playoff? Yeah, absolutely. Offer? Just getting there, honestly, with the amount of injuries this team has had this year is crazy to me. Does it provide any sense of... If Short term will be five years. That, that's what I'm going to look at. It. Short term is five years. Long term is five and more. Does that do anything for you guys at short term confidence, understanding that you guys were one of those teams on the outside looking in when the AFC was extremely packed? What was that, two years ago? And now you guys get in, and the AFC is still extremely packed. Does that give you guys some sort of some short that yeah, some sort of short time, short term, excuse me, confidence, considering that there was a jump made this year? It all depends on Tua. If he's healthy, like if they got him wearing that special helmet that everybody in the media has been talking about, and he he can stay healthy, I'm I'm extremely excited about the team, because they're not gonna. I mean, knock on wood, they're not gonna have injury luck like they've had this year, where they're missing so much of their secondary. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of injuries they've had. So I think if Tua can be relatively healthy next year. And he won't have the concussions, and he doesn't retire like some people are speculating. I'm very confident, uh, you know, because I think you know, look at the team. It's a, at least offensively, it's a young team. Tyreek Hill is still relatively young. Yeah. Jalen Waddle. Um, you think Mike McDaniel is the answer? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's 
He's a rookie head coach. He's made some mistakes, but the league has also figured him out too. But I think the best thing is Mike McDaniel's has shown us in this short time that I, I'm probably gonna watch the seesaw with this the most, or I'm gonna enjoy watching the seesaw with this the most because he was absolute. Even in games that he lost early, he was kind of unfigureoutable for the first eight. I'll, I'll give him eight weeks, and then if you look at the so, response from the rest of the league. I'm waiting for him to counter next year. So I would year. say, actually, he did. And this is what I'll say. Like, the Chargers game and the Niners game, after those games, everybody was like, league's got him figured out. Then they played Buffalo, and they lost that game, but 32-29 to 29 in Buffalo where yep. most people were expecting a blowout. The Green Bay game, and I'll say this, Tua in the first half before, his, before he forgot where he was yeah. was lights out. Those fourth, those fourth quarter interceptions, when he was asked about them by Mike McDaniel, and they were like in the film room, he was like, "I honestly don't remember what I was going like thinking." That's some scary. Look, that's terrifying. If he didn't get hit in that game, I mean, I think we win comfortably. No offense to the Packers. I, what you talking about? We're at home, so say what you want about us. So, <laughs> I think Mike McDaniel. People were saying that, and then he came right back. And then you know, of course, the New England game. Teddy played, and you know, all the people before the season saying they need to bench Tua for Teddy. I hope you watched him this year. <laughs> got got some answers to that question. Please relax. I like my Teddy. God, Teddy had Teddy is also another person who had a very 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 scary concussion that, on top of just some of the injuries that he's had just in the past. Yeah. Teddy's had two, maybe two concussions that were just really bad. Um, there's one more AFC Super Wild Card matchup to talk about, obviously, and that's Baltimore and Cincinnati. Third time for these division match, or for these division rivals, similar to what you guys are obviously dealing with with Buffalo. I have not looked at Baltimore the same since Lamar Jackson has been hobbled this year, and I don't think anything changes this particular matchup. Well, no, he's not playing, I believe. No, I'm, I mean, just for the team. Oh, right, right. I, I, I as as weird as it may sound, do you know if Tyler Huntley is winning? If Snoop is playing? I'm not entirely sure. Because I, I have more confidence that the game will be closer if he is, and it still doesn't mean that Baltimore wins. I already think the game is going to be close because these two teams and these two head coaches know each other so well, but Baltimore is not going to have enough. Tyler Huntley actually in relief of Lamar Jackson last season. He was pretty good. This season has not been the same story. Right. I mean, and he's been dealing with injuries. Exactly. So... I'm always rooting for a good game, obviously, but I, I just, without Lamar Jackson, I just, I don't see it, man. And like I said, the reason why I have you guys as probably the biggest underdogs in my little, and I haven't looked at any of the numbers. Oh, I don't blame you. I mean, if Buffalo loses this game. <laughs> Sean McDermott is out of here? I wouldn't go that far, but. I'm just asking a question. If they lose this game, oh my God. It's like Buffalo fans. Let me guys. Let me tell you guys something. If you're on Twitter and you follow like Dolphins beat writers, you'll notice something. Buffalo Bills fans like to camp out in the mentions of Dolphins beat writers for God knows why. Even if it's like a a miscellaneous update during mini camp, you'll see a Bills fans there. A Bills fan there. I I don't want to see you guys ever again <laughs> in anything. They should build a wall around Buffalo. I. If they lose this, oh, don't let them lose this game because I'm going to be even more insufferable than I already am. And you already don't expect to, to to win a championship. So if you win this game, it's that just... That is the championship. 
<laughs> if they beat our division rival, who whose fans never stop speaking, never stop, in Buffalo with the entire team. In, oh my! Don't let it happen, Buffalo. <laughs> well. Everybody is chasing Kansas City. They're the only team in the AFC with the bye. In fact, if they meet Buffalo in the AFC Championship, they already announced this week that it will. First of all, I heard two things, by the way. I heard that they offered it up to Detroit and Indianapolis. Both both flat out said no. I, I think Detroit, they're hosting something, whether it's a gymnastics tournament or something like that. Lucas Oil Stadium just said, nah. <laughs> they Somebody asked me how I felt about it. I said, fam, that's their building. I said, so you got to think about it, too. It's not just a regular football game, which I'm sure it's a mess when you guys leave. I said, however, it's an AFC championship. So there will be confetti. It's got to sting a little there bit. There will be stringers. Like like the little, little, little streamers. Yeah. I am not cleaning up for another team's AFC Championship celebration. I'm not doing it. You know how they should play? Uh, UNLV's old Sam Boyd. Guy, Sam Boyd. Uh, it's funny that you Sam say Boyd. that. Say Sam Boyd. I saw a, a story that, that Sam Boyd's uh, existence is, is up in the air right now. Well, yeah, I could see why. <laughs> Let's move on to the NFC then. Seattle and San Francisco. I have Frisco winning it all. Interesting. Brock Purdy. Don't look at me crazy. But I, I think just the storyline is going to be. Um, that would be super. If they win it all, that would be super interesting for next year with Jimmy G, Trey Lance. Jimmy G will not be there next year. Yeah. I we have to it. we have to determine here in the Vegas media if we will be dealing with Jimmy G. Not that we have a choice in it, but we that's that may be our quarterback that we're dealing with. However... Let's let this San Francisco matchup with with Seattle. I do think that Seattle was, as much as I love my Packers, I do think Seattle was going to put up a much better fight than we are, simply because of what we just talked about a second ago. These teams know each other, so I do think for the first quarter, it may be scoreless. Even I love <laughs> playoff games in Seattle. I wish the game was in Seattle. I agree. It's so much fun. I I agree, except I'm a Packer fan. Yeah, who yeah, has no, PTSD. Not, yeah, that's not fun for you guys, but. It's not fun for us to get San Francisco either. Yeah, it's rough. That's why when you said you didn't, you respectfully whatever you said about the Packers, I don't care anymore. <laughs> We're at home until we assert some sort of dominance. Jordan loves season, baby. You need to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> if Aaron Rod, never mind. If Aaron Rodgers was in Miami right now, mm-hmm. what do you think you guys look like? What instead of Skyler Thompson? <laughs> instead of two all season long. I don't think they're that much better because when Tua played this year, the Dolphins won the great majority of their games. They did. So I mean and the way Aaron Rodgers played this year, yeah, you could say, you know, he didn't have the wide receivers, but I don't know. I He's losing his fastball a little bit. And I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I think he's – let me not even say because I'm going to get some people upset. My mom just asked me, did I really say unfigureoutable? I I did. Is that not a word? Um, I don't know. 
I guess it's two words at that point. Uh, but like I said, I said it on Monday, and I just want to apologize once again. I was wrong about Pete Carroll. <laughs> I said that Pete Carroll shit. Well, let Russ cook. Russ is cooking. Um, it's not anything good. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I I said that Russell Wilson that there's no way that Pete Carroll should have outlasted Russell Wilson in Seattle. Uh, I said that early in the season, uh, maybe in the off season. And details came out shortly thereafter. And then obviously just watching what Pete Carroll did this season, Russ wanted to leave just certain things of that nature. And to see Pete Carroll double down into the Seattle Seahawks, because he, he could have easily walked away as well when Russ wanted out. So to see him double down. And like I said before, to see him force us to sing a different tune in terms of Geno Smith, I'm excited to actually see Geno. Hey, he didn't. I think Geno is going to write back in the second half of this one. <laughs> but, oh, <yeah? laughs> but but I do think the the, the San Francisco de, uh, defense will get to Geno Smith in the second half, and I think it might get ugly toward the end just with them being able to salt away the clock, uh, run the ball. And obviously I think Brock Purdy. This is going to be interesting because Kyle Shanahan took the biggest dump of his life 28-3, right, with Matt Ryan, with somebody who I know a lot of people are going to say whatever they say about him. They're going to point to the twilight of his career. Matt Ryan is still Matt Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. that's still Matty Ice. That is still a Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. If you guys believe that Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, that guy is a Hall of Famer, and I, you guys know where I stand on Philip Rivers. No disrespect to you, Philip. Um, or or your family. Yes, or your family. However, Starting if you look fans. at if you look at pardon, if you look at uh, Kyle Shanahan's situ- uh, history and his situation here in football. That Super Bowl a couple of years ago that Kansas City won, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he if he completes that throw, if he completes that throw in the fourth quarter, game is over. Yeah. I understand what has been said about Brock Purdy this year. My humble opinion is Brock Purdy completes that throw simply because like you just said, regardless of what he does this year, he's probably coming back fighting for his job anyway. So I think there's a certain level of pressure that isn't on him, as weird as it may sound. Right. No, I wish we had more time because I really want to talk about we got a little the, bit. the Niners next year and what they're going to do at quarterback. What do you want to know? Well, I not mean, that I know. What they gave about? up all of that for Trey Lance. Yep. He played one game this year. Well, one game and some change. Right. Uh, terrible against the Bears. Although that was in terrible conditions, so it's not you know terrible both ways. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I think at the end of the day, you do what you were gonna do this year. You let Jimmy walk because you didn't let Jimmy walk because what if something happens to Trey? Which, knock on wood, yeah. uh, we hope it doesn't happen next year. But we see what obviously happened this year. But now Jimmy can walk freely. Yeah, because no, I think Jimmy. You You're have right. Brock most and Trey. Ninety percent not going to be there. Yeah, I'm not going to say a hundred because we thought it was a hundred this past year, and w- yeah, I guess did. we did. I, you're, that's very interesting that you bring that up because I guess we did think it was pretty much close to a hundred percent, but there was no other quarterback in that quarterback room that we were probably looking at that we were were looking at and saying, "Well, that's your for sure backup." Right. Even to the point to where when when Baker Mayfield was released from Carolina, people were like, "Well, what if San Francisco?" I was one of the few people who 
was not in San Francisco immediately saying Kyle's not going to do that. I've never met Kyle Shanahan. I don't know Kyle Shanahan. I believe that he's going to go with the guy that he's seen every day. So like I kept telling people, if, if worse came to worse, he's going to stay with Brock Purdy. Win, lose, or draw. And it just so happens that all Brock has done is win so far. He's played great. I mean, it's not like they're asking him to be a superstar, but he's done what they've asked of him. He's playing well. It helps with that you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Yeah. Do it all, guy. <laughs> not to mention. You know, but I really don't know. I mean, I'm assuming, again, assume, you know, make an ass out of you and me. Right. All that. Uh, let's say Brock Purdy plays well this postseason. Mm-hmm. Or serviceable. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I think going into next year, there's going to be a QB competition between him and Trey Lance. I mean, I think it absolutely is. I don't think you could just give Trey the job right away without, especially if, especially if the Niners, you know, go far into the postseason. Yeah. Now, if they get blown out by Seattle, which I don't think is going to happen, or if they get beat by Seattle and Brock Purdy looks bad, Ooh. I think it makes the decision easier. I'm going to be honest. I don't know that it does because what he's already done right. to yeah. get them there. Because for whatever it's worth, when he took over, Seattle, if they weren't in first place, Seattle was still had a lot of people shook that they were going to win the division. Right. So, <clears throat> pardon. What I will say is Brock Purdy playing well makes it easier to tell Trey Lance to take his time. That's true. So let's just say that Trey Lance – this doesn't mean he's a starter – but let's say that San Francisco in their in their front office and their brass say, Trey, you don't need to play preseason. You know, and what if they just want to see what year two Brock Purdy looks like? That might be the best move for them. Trey, yeah. it looks like we well, I don't want to say it looks like we care because they I'd, I'd assume they care, but it looks like we're keeping the 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 the, the prize in the cabinet for now until the regular season. But really. We want to see how much this guy has developed because if he did develop so much more, we're going to look at you and say, I mean, come on, you have eyes too. Trey Lance has not played much football in his life. Yeah. You know, so. Definitely at the NFL level. Or at the college level too, you know. Yeah. I still believe in the guy. I do too. I think a lot of our judgment is clouded by the fact that he had that bad game against uh, the Bears in week one where it was raining really hard. Yeah. I think if he had had a better game, if conditions were better, I think that a perception would be a little different. But it didn't. And that's what we left with. So, anyway, we'll move on. But that was that's something I'm really looking for, like looking at this offseason, what's going to happen with that. I think Kirk Cousins has this miracle bug with him right now. I don't know what it is. And you guys know, again, similar to Phillip Rivers, you guys know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I just don't know if he's ever going to win the big one, mainly because I just don't trust him in the big one. But what I do find interesting is of the quarterbacks that are in here, I know Tom Brady is in here as well. I don't know how many other quarterbacks in this field win in a more dramatic fashion than Kirk Cousins. That's true. That Bills game this year was – oh, and then the Colts game. Let's, we, we, can, we can keep going. They've won this so is many this close year. games this year. It's Exactly. And this is, this, this is just this year. So I do think the New York Giants are not only going to be formidable, I think the New York Giants might have a fourth-quarter lead. I, I actually think that could happen. And I still think Minnesota re- moves on. I'm really looking forward to that game. Man. Me too. Um, this is that's gonna be a, a an underrated good game. Because the Giants are a really good team, and Danny Danny Dimes, he's not losing him the game. 
No, and his dual threat ability this year has really helped them. They said that they wanted di- something different when they let Eli walk, right? And they got it. Well, I mean, it took. I guess you let Eli walk at that point. I, I mean, well, it, remember that rumor whatever. that he was going to go to Jacksonville with Tom Coughlin? Yeah, I remember that. That's funny. And then we saw him play. Yeah. Uh, I think Jacksonville saw him play. Um, you know what's funny about Eli? Eli might be the one quarterback that I have no problem making fun of because I don't think it gets to Eli at all. I, I really think because I have a brother, and my brother's older than me. So in all of my life, this goes back to WWE, Kane and Undertaker, I'm rooting for Kane. Eli and Peyton, I'm rooting for Eli. I'm little brother gang. That's where I'm at, right? I know, and I don't know Eli. I don't know Peyton. Never met him. Never been in the room with either one of them. I know they have argued before, whether serious or not. And I know Eli said, for as great as you were, how many rings you got? We got the same amount. Like, I don't care what you got to say. We got the same amount of rings. Yeah, very true. I don't know, man. Speaking of rings, I think a lot of people are looking at Tom Brady being 6-0 against the Dallas Cowboys in his career. And Dak Prescott being Brett Favre 2.0 in regards to throwing the ball to the other team over the last, like, seven weeks or so. It's so weird. It's it's been extremely weird. I think it has everybody's judgment clouded for this game. I mean... And I've been... Wait, wait, wait. Give me one second. I've been wrong before, but I'm ready to go out on a limb and say with as bad as not only Tom Brady, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have played, I don't know that it's a 38-3 to type of game, but I think Dallas dominates this one. Really? I do. Even if they win by 10 points, even if they win by 8 points, even if they win by 6 points, I don't think Tom Brady in this offense looks any type of good. So I think it just depends which which Cowboys are we going to get. Are, they, are we going to get the team I agree. that beat the Vikings 40-3? to Or are we going to get the team that just – got blown out against the the team that just finished last in their division hey man playing sam uh howell yeah who at a unc not to mention jacksonville put up a 40 burger on them so i I don't know i i if i was forced to pick i would say dallas but tampa's looked horrible this year and I think a lot of people are forgetting that because Tom Brady's the quarterback. You're right. You know what's crazy? It's like second in the league in passing yards this year. That's crazy. It, it, bro, Brady is still Brady, right? But this is the thing that I do find interesting. Look at Tom Brady play. And that's just what's so crazy. Every time there was there were times this week or this year where in an 18-week season, I said, oh, well, that's Brady. Next week. Next week. Next week. Only two times this season that the following week did I look around the room and go, yeah, yeah, you see that? Five touchdowns, Brady's Brady. What was that? Every what? other week, Brady had me looking at him like, dog, maybe Giselle was right. Maybe you should have retired. I don't know exactly who said it, but they were like, when, you're, when an athlete is past his prime, he can still have those great moments. It just stops being so consistent. So Yeah, I agree. Brady has those great moments. Are we gonna see another one? I don't know. Two times in seventeen weeks? How many? How many do we have? I could be wrong, 
And Brady could have a lot more than that. But I just want to look now. Tom Brady game log. Let's see what it looks like right now. I just want to see. Start at the top of the year. A pick and an interception. I'm only going picking an interception. Picking an interception. I mean, a touchdown and an interception, excuse me. Touchdown, no interceptions. Touchdown, no interceptions. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Touchdown, no interceptions. Touchdown, no interceptions. No touchdowns, no interceptions. One touchdown, no interceptions. Back to back games. Two and one, two and oh, two and one, one and two, three and two, one and two, three and oh, three and one. Or oh, uh, one and oh. Now, the weeks where I said that Brady, the two times that I know for a fact that I said it was most recently against Carolina, that 432 yard game with three touchdowns and no picks. And then, of course, against Kansas City, he put up 31 points. But again, we saw the way that game was, if I recall correctly. That game started out lopsided for Kansas City, and then they started to just air the ball out, right? So I look at Tom Brady this year 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions. 67 completion percentage, 67% completion percentage. Like you just said before, for Tom Brady, I mean, for anybody else, you see these numbers and you go, that's a pretty good quarterback. You look at what Tom Brady has done in his career. Yeah. And you look at the way that Tom Brady looked this season. In my mind, I don't even, I, it, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how they don't. I mean, I don't know how they, yeah, I don't know how they don't lose this game, in my opinion. Well, I do know how they lose this game. Mike McCarthy. If Why do Dak, I blame everything on Mike McCarthy? If Dak is going to throw the ball to the other team, <laughs> I – Yeah. You know, Dallas' defense is good, don't get me wrong, but eventually if you got to – I have no idea. Let me. I just say all that. I have no idea who's going to win this game. I think I think Dallas dominates the time of possession. I do. I think that dual th- uh, running threat, and I haven't even checked to see if everybody's healthy in the backfield, but that dual running threat, I do think that this becomes one of those moments to where when I say I blame Mike McCarthy is because I, I think you may have to sit Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore down this week and say we can dominate the time of possession. That's still Tom Brady. We can dominate the time of possession and keep them on the sideline. That's it. Yeah. Uh, everything you're saying is making sense. When I look at it across the board, Dallas should win fairly easily. It's Maybe it's happen. Mike McCarthy. Maybe it's because of the Cowboys. Maybe it's recency bias with Dak throwing it to the other team every week. Maybe because it's Tom Brady over there and they still got Mike Evans. I don't know what it is, but I have no idea who's going to win. <laughs> well, I will say this much. Philadelphia's waiting in the wings. Yeah. You got them bad eagles, man. You got them bad eagles waiting in the wings. Jalen Hurts definitely heard all of you guys saying that they could win without him. Um, I, I just really like Gardner Minshew is Min- what I will Minshew say. Minshew mania? I, I like Gardner Minshew a lot. He's he's better than some people that start in this league. So I'll, I'll say that. Hey, man. At the very you least. You think the Raiders a- are better with Gardner Minshew? I plead the fifth. Let's move no, on no, I think Derek Carr is better than him. I'm not a big Derek Carr fan, but I think Derek Carr is better than Gardner Minshew. This is what I will say since the Raiders aren't on the, aren't on the docket for obvious reasons. Las Vegas better hope that they don't get – and this is respect to these players. I'm going to say with respect to all these players before I get into this. But Las Vegas fans better hope that they don't get Taylor Heineke, Daniel Jones oh. – 
quarterbacks like that be Carson Wentz. Quarterbacks like that. That would be a stab. Because Las Vegas talked a lot of mess about Derek Carr. I I admit that I'm spoiled, and I don't know what a bad quarterback is. I went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers in the same jump. I don't know what I don't know what that is. I think Raider fans. I don't know if it happens this time, but they better hope that they do not endure some seasons of re- Dallas, the Vinny Testaverde season. Yeah, they better hope they don't have those. Derek Carr is not the problem, but he's not the answer either, in my opinion. And that's where you might be right, and that's probably why the two sides are splitting. Derek Carr made an announcement over the weekend. He kind of just said a goodbye to uh, Las Vegas and Raider Nation as a whole. He His said he was hurtful. His contract is up? Or? No, he's not. But I you get sent home for the last two weeks of the year. Trade you, him or release him. He's or... not coming back to the Raiders. Yeah. Sounds like that's his way of saying I'm not coming back. <laughs> I just have a feeling he's going somewhere in the NFC South. I think I mentioned that before, too. I said, what happens if Derek Carr goes to New Orleans? Carolina needs a quarterback still. I don't like Carolina. And I just – Steve Wilkes has, has them playing well. And – Oh, absolutely. He's done a great job. He's done an amazing job, and I hope he gets the job. But I don't know – we talk about snake-bitten franchises. It just – I don't know. I, I think back to that Super Bowl with Cam and – I, I thought about it in that moment and was like, if Carolina wins the Super Bowl, is it going to feel weird to me? Like, remember when Dallas won it in the NBA? No. And it was like, okay, this feels a little weird. Like, I didn't really know that you guys could go all the way. I didn't know this. It would have been weird if Carolina won it to me. And for that, I just don't know of how many people uh, – what did I say about Sam Darnold? Right? I refuse to be the judge of Sam Darnold until I see him away from Adam Gase. And then he went to Carolina. And what's the first thing I said? I gotta see him away from Carolina. <laughs> like I, I hate the fact that that's the way that I feel about these program, about these uh, franchises. But I do. Um, speaking of this, that's why I said programs. Because how do you feel about UNLV's program? Never mind. Don't answer that. Man. I almost said no, Matt no, again. Could, damn. No, no, no. I mean, they're moving in the right direction. It's going to sound really bad that I pause there, but the reason why I pause is because we just don't know. I think Marcus Arroyo definitely had them trending in the right direction. We just better hope that Eric Harper didn't send them back a couple of years. But Barry Odom, Eric Harper's first head coach that he hired as athletic director here, he introduced his complete staff this past week. I believe he actually did it yesterday. Um he went ahead and introduced his offensive coordinator now that it is not Bobby Petrino, now that he is at Texas A&M. Brennan Marion is now the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Barry Odom and UNLV. Defensive coordinator Mike Scherer and special teams coordinator James Shibes. Um And I, I feel like I just mispronounced that last name. Is it Shibes? I think it is. Um, but as I said before, the jury's still out with UNLV football. I think we're going to have to uh, – <sighs> I said Marcus Arroyo, I said give him a month next year to see what he looks like through the first four games. And now that Barry Odom is here, I don't know what snapshot to look at. You know what I mean? I heard somebody say, tell this story about the NFL, and they said that if you look at moves that are done in the NFL, 
coaches are very rarely fired after like unless it's like a big loss or a, a crazy loss whatever the case may be they're very rarely fired after the first second third fifth sixth seventh ninth and they were going through and they were basically saying the nfl looks at things in snapshots so they look at it after four games after eight games after 12 games after 16 games that's the way they look at it I don't know how to judge Barry Odom. Granted, we got a long way out before we have to judge him, but I don't know where to judge Barry Odom. Do we look through the non-conference schedule? Do we look through a four-game gap? Do we look through a three-game gap because this is a college year? I don't know what we look at. I haven't paid as much attention to their recruiting class. Do they Have they been doing well in that aspect? Or? I will say this. They appear, and I'm not going to see, this is going to sound crazy. It's going to sound like I'm, I'm taking shots at other um, programs, I mean, other uh, leaders of the program. But whenever whenever a, a, a coach comes in at this level, yeah. you got to build your entire football team. Games are won and lost in the trenches, and that's the first thing that I've seen that they that they acknowledged. Uh, you have Barry Odom, who is a defensive coordinator, uh, who has a defensive coordinator history, and he's coming from a place at Ar- in Arkansas. And if you look at what he was able to do at Missouri and just the places that he's been, if you can re- if you can recruit in Missouri, you can recruit in Vegas. I think so. I've never understood why Vegas does not get better, like. Okay, I'm not going to say Vegas is, you know, the the best place to live in the world. Right. But it's certainly better than a lot of other places where uh, a lot of talented football players go to. Not to mention, too, Barry Odom has also made that uh, kind of known. He said it yesterday. Where it starts officially starting today is they're going to go visit high schools here in Vegas. And Absolutely. he said that, he said that his goal is to mend those fences that previous programs allowed to burn. So uh, whether it's a bridge, whether it's a, a, a fence that needs to be mending, whatever the case may be, Barry Odom is starting locally. But in terms of your question about recruiting, what I've seen so far is they're addressing where the game is won, which is in the trenches. And it, it's good to see UNLV obviously not be one of those power five schools. However, you're getting big offensive linemen who would have committed to a Missouri or, and or would have committed to an Arkansas to where now they're coming to the Mountain West. And as I said before, to step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. Hopefully, they realize what Nick Saban realized about maybe eight years ago, ten. Years, I don't know the exact time that you you should have a good quarterback. I'm gonna forever say this, and this is just me being. Like it helps to have a good quarterback playing the position. Well, again, like I said, this is just me patting myself on the back, but. I remember years ago, shout out to Alex White when she was on this show. I think this may have been before you were even on the show. But when everybody kept saying that Armani Rodgers couldn't throw the ball, couldn't play quarterback, I remember when Kenyon Oblad was getting some shots, getting some opportunities, right? I remember saying, well, if you don't think Armani can throw the ball and you can't win games without Armani's legs, has anybody thrown Armani a pair of gloves and seen if he can catch a football? Do you know where Armani Rodgers is today? He's still at Ohio? He's playing tight end for the Washington Commanders. Really? Wow. I don't know how I missed that one. I wonder if anybody threw that man a pair of gloves. If anybody would have just popped into a show, maybe they would have got the idea. But 
just with UNLV football does. Yeah, it helps to have talented wide receivers, a good quarterback. It helps those things. Kenyon Oblad throwing to Armani Rodgers, I think, would have been pretty interesting to see. Anywho, let's talk about some other UNLV programs. <laughs> Where did they land? I don't know, but they need Dame higher. <laughs> let's move on to another uh, program here at UNLV, but we got some basketball programs to get to. Let's talk about this men's squad for a second. This men's team, <clears throat> Salim, they're one and three in their last four. They're two and four in their last six. All right. This team has put forth statement win after statement win. They're twelve and four, correct? They are twelve and five, I believe now. Am okay. I wrong? No, you're right. Twelve and four. I was wrong. They're one and three in the conference. They are eighth in the conference. Most recently, oh, like I said, they they stack they stack statement win after statement win, but then they drop games. Not that they shouldn't drop. But if these statement wins mean something, some of these losses maybe you just don't expect. So that would be a loss at San Jose State. That would be a home loss to San Francisco in a game that you 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 played them well coming off of a year where they absolutely dominated you from War Memorial Gym in Northern California. But you have two golden opportunities to make a big statement in the Mountain West against San Diego State and Boise State on your home court. And you drop both of those, not to mention wedged in between that. You go to the pit and you beat New Mexico when they're ranked number 21 in the country. So this team is a complete enigma. I don't know how we put. Looking at the rest of their schedule, I believe they only play one ranked team the rest of the way. I think it's San Diego State. Well, San Diego State as of right now, are they ranked now? Because San Diego I'll State. I'll check. Uh, I believe they were 21. It could not. I could be totally wrong. I think it's New Mexico. I think it's New Mexico is what you saw. New Mexico, okay. I'm almost positive it's New Mexico. So they, as like you just said, they they played New Mexico, number 21 in the country. They beat New Mexico, and now you return home, and you have this big game against Boise State, 8 p.m. start time on a Wednesday night, and you drop this one, 84 to 66, almost a 20 point home loss for UNLV. No, and at San Diego State, they're ranked 23 overall right now. Mm-hmm. As the issue was back in. Saturday, February 11th, yeah. Well, on sportsreference.com, they should, you know. Okay, we're going to we're gonna have to check and see that because that's interesting because typically it's a Mountain West team that's, that's ranked, but yeah, they were ranked 20. Well, yeah, that says 23. So right now, I mean, the rest of the way, they only play one ranked team. So so let's just say let's just say that they get that win against against um San Diego State. That would be their third ranked win of the year. That would be their sixth. I believe their sixth. Am I right? Either their fifth or their sixth statement win. They've beaten teams inside the Ken Palm top 100. They've beaten a power five, uh two power five schools. They've beaten Minnesota They've beaten Washington State. They're one in three in their conference. Not great, but still a lot of season left. I mean, at the end of the day, this this game really turned on his head in the second half. Boise ends up winning the second half by twenty. That means they were, they had a two point deficit at halftime. What happened coming out of halftime was a fourteen three run by the Broncos, which included back to back fouls. 
on three-point shots. I, I talked to Kevin Kruger after the game, and um, I, I asked him, obviously, in a basketball like rule book, like fouling on three-point shooters is like at the top of like the holy grail of basketball, which you don't want to do. And it happened back-to-back times. And like I asked Kevin Kruger, was there just something in terms of mechanically that just was going wrong in terms of closeouts? Or is there a level of, of lack of discipline in moments like that? These are, this is a big game. And he said that obviously it's something that you want to avoid, but he had to take a look at it. And I didn't I didn't take anything, any offense to the, to the answer, but a lot of people feel like after certain losses this season, Kevin Kruger has been – um, less than reluctant to want to address some of the obvious things. I know against San Francisco, there were a, 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 there was a stretch rather to the end of the game where he didn't call a timeout. And when the question came up, it appeared that he was a little perturbed that the question came up. Um, I agree with that one. This one I didn't necessarily agree with, but let's just say that he did seem a little perturbed with that three-point foul question. That's the second time this season that UNLV has lost the game that the elephant in the room is almost as if certain people believe that he doesn't want to address it. So aside from a 14-3 to run coming out of halftime, which pretty much does this team in, they ended up going down by 16 points, ultimately 18 in the final seconds of the game. But they, they also had another foul on a three-point shooter late in the game. But not a good look for this group coming off of, I would say, their biggest win of the season. But they continue to stack these big wins. Kind of unrelated. Um, I've never seen Boise State play. Uh, I don't think I've ever watched a Boise State basketball game. Live? Yeah. Like Really? Well, I've never. Is their home court blue? No, but their Alabama's is. No, that's lame. <laughs> Sorry, I was just really curious. <laughs> their Alabama's is, no. Their Alabama's is. And I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen like a new um uh, makeup of their court so i don't think that it's blue like unless it's blue now but yeah i guess we'll see as a kid i loved watching boise state football games because of the blue because of blue field and i i found out later on that there was a was it eastern washington yeah that has the red field yeah eastern kentucky i believe no eastern washington I think you're right I, I was in love with that too absolutely i'm very easy to entertain just gotta put colors in front of you put, yeah put a bunch of colors in front of you and everything just, just works change, out change things a little bit I'm going to hand you a Rubik's Cube and just watch you go to work. Yeah. Um, UNLV is now 12-4 and four on the year, which is a great mark, right? But they're 1-3 in three in a conference, which is not so good. They're eighth in the conference right now. Does it bother you that three or four home losses – or three or four losses come at home? Yeah, I, I still got to make it out to a UNLV game. You have no choice. You know, the, la- the only time I've ever been to a UNLV game was when I was like 10 years old. When I came out here to visit my brother when I was like 10, we went to a UNLV game. You went to UNLV. Yeah. And I always said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to a game. And then it just never happened. Never went to a UNLV football game either. What are you doing Saturday? Oh, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow I can't. <laughs> I didn't even tell you what time. No, I know. It said 7 o'clock, right? It's not. What time is it then? 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. It'd be over about 6. Yeah, I could do that then. We're going to see if Salim comes out to a UNLV game Dude, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. If it's over by 6.30, yeah, I can do that. It will be over by 6.30 because the women's game starts at 6, and I got to pull a double duty tomorrow. Because tomorrow, UNLV will host Colorado State Saturday, January 14th, 4 p.m. from the Thomas & Mack Center. If you guys listen to this show, 
you guys know at the top of last year, I believe it was, we changed the the theme song for the show. Uh, it, it's it's a Jaws inspired theme song. If you guys know anything about Jerry Tarkanian, the shark, then you guys kind of understand where where we were inspired by it. But uh, at the end of it, that voice that you guys hear, that voice that you guys hear, is the legendary voice of the voice of the rebels. Plain and simple, that is Dick Calvert, somebody who was the voice of the rebels for fifty two years. Before stepping away, I wanted to make like one of those dad jokes, but like, damn, he must be failing his classes. Boom, There you go. Uh, but but nah, but that voice that you guys hear at, at the end of the the intro is the voice of legendary UNLV voice of the rebel, voice of the rebel. Excuse me, Dick Calvert. I remember I went to. Oh, as I said before, he stepped away from the program. Uh, kind of just to focus uh, on the program in a different capacity, right? So he's no longer the PA at the UNLV games. It sounds completely different to me being uh, somebody who originally got out here in 2017. But Dick Calvert is somebody that uh, always there to to kind of just give you the game. Always somebody who's going to greet you. Always somebody who's going to greet you. Not only Not only just greet you, but greet you with enthusiasm. And um, I have a story to tell about D.C. in a brief moment. But before I do that, I'm going to tell this first quick one. I remember I walked into he because he stepped away from the program last year. So as you guys know, one of the biggest sponsors for this program and for this media company as a whole is the Las Vegas Aviators. And uh, I sit next to D.C. at a lot of the Aviator games. And um, I walked in after they had made the announcement that he was stepping away from the program. And I seen him at the Aviator game and was like you're here like i thought you would be at home or something and dc was like that's unlv like i still have a baseball job like so the man never stops working uh just he he deserves every single piece of recognition that he's gonna get tomorrow he will have a banner unveiled at the thomas and max center i think it's amazing i think it's well deserved and this story that I'll tell really quick, I actually told it on Twitter earlier, a quick little story time about D.C. We were covering a UNLV base, baseball game a couple of years ago. I was sitting right next to him and he looked over and he was like, hey, do you own your writing? Like, do you own your work? And I was like, well, you know, that's the goal eventually. Like, I want to own my stuff. And he was like, well, why do you have to wait for eventually? Like, you can start now. He was like, you could start something and put out all your stuff. He said, you have a radio show. He said, put your writings, put your your radio show all under an umbrella, and you can call it, I don't know, Emerson Enterprises. And it sparked an idea. <laughs> and from there, he introduced me to his business advisor. Shout out to Miss Sonia. And a couple of months after that, I showed him an LLC for the Talk That Talk Media Company, and it's if it wasn't for DC's kind of kind of guidance and kind of pushing me to do something that I wanted to do in the future, doing it in that moment, who knows where we we all would be at this present moment? Because this media company as a whole has DC to thank for that. Uh, but that's the voice that you guys hear at the end of my uh, intro to the radio show. I think it is the perfect. Thing for me, I told you guys when I got the recording that you guys may not understand how big of a deal that was to me, but to find out that he retired, I believe the the year actually a couple months after, in turn in that capacity, was definitely fifty two uh, years, fifty two of them things, man, fifty two of them. I remember that I had walked into this is my other little quick story. I walked into uh, Allegiant Stadium for the Las Vegas Bowl, 
And I had a UNLV game. So I was only coming in for the first half. I walked in, and I'm, like, right before the game starts. I'm walking in. I BS you not. I'm in the building for maybe two seconds. I go straight upstairs to the press box. I go straight to the PA, to the PA box, and I look in. Two seconds into the building, I identified Dick Calvert's voice. Wow. Two seconds into the building. I found his wife and instantly and said, I knew I heard his voice. Legend. Legendary. <sighs> Let's so talk about that the, team. What you got? At UNLV basketball games, they got like hamburgers and hot dogs. You can get a I don't go to the concession stand on the concourse. Um, They give us Chick-fil-A. Really? Yes. So if I go with you tomorrow. Then there's Chick-fil-A. There, <laughs> so there's Chick Fil A. There, there's uh, they give us fruit, they give us nuggets, and they give us tenders. Chick Fil A sauce. Yes. Say, I'll be there in the little squeeze bottles. Ooh, I'll be there. <laughs> Look at how life works, guys. You don't even have to say anything more. Hey, man, I'm just letting you know. Uh, so yeah, speaking of that, following that game, we have a six o'clock game over in the Cox Pavilion because the Lady Rebels will be welcoming in the new. Mexico Lobos. This is coming off of an undefeated three-game road trip for the Lady Rebels. They are now on a six-game win streak after losing in Stillwater to Oklahoma State. This group dominating the Mountain West so far. They are 15-2 and on the year. They are 5-0 and in the Mountain West. As I said before, they have a 10-game win streak. As they return, excuse me, a six-game win streak. As they return home, they are 10-0 and in Las Vegas this year. Most recently, this win against San Jose State was an 84-58 to win. They eventually stretched the game in the third quarter. In the third quarter, first of all, it was, it was a nine-point game at halftime. But an early 6 nothing run in the third quarter pushed the lead to 15. And eventually, late in the game, there was a 10 – or late in the third quarter, there was another 10-0 run that pushed the game up to 19 points. In that third quarter, senior guard Essence Booker – made her second field goal of the game. Keep in mind what I just said. Her second field goal of the game came in the third quarter. Essence Booker finished with a season-high 22 points, so that just gives you an idea of what she was able to do down the stretch for the Lady Rebels in this one. This team, as Lindy LaRock has said a couple of times, this team goes as Essence and Desi goes, and and this is exactly what we were, what we're continuing to see. That's what we saw in this three-game road trip. That's what we continue to see this season from this group. Not only did Essence Booker lead the team in scoring with her season-high 22 points, you also have – first of all, she did that on 9 of 13 shooting, by the way. As a guard, as a senior, on the road, conference game, season-high output, 9 of 13 from the field. Desiree Young, I want to give you her point total really quick if I can. Yeah. Am I wrong? No. 15 points, but she also only missed two shots on the night. She went 7 of 9. I think Lindy LaRock and company are going to be in a good spot if you're two, I don't want to say best players, but if you're two leading players combined to shoot 16 of 22 from the field. That means next goal for you is to get you out to a Lady Rebel game after you check That'd out be your nice, Lady yeah, Rebels. Man. Have you been, have you ever been to one of those games either? No, like I said, the only UNLV I went to a UNLV men's. You've game. covered sports for us, Matt, and you haven't been to these. I don't want to say basic, Salim. but quote unquote. Why do I, why do I keep saying Salim? Damn, I mean, why do I keep saying Matt? Listen, Salim. I've I went. I think it was like 2008. I'm not sure really? exactly. I came out here to visit my brother when I was like 10 years old, something like that. Maybe 11. 
anyway, I saw yeah. a UNLV game, and uh, I don't remember who they played, if they won. But I was so you there. had Lon Kruger. If you came in 07, I think. You may have had Lon Kruger. But you were either, 10 years old. It was either 07 or 08, one of the two. I think Dave Rice was after Lon Kruger. Not directly after, was he? I don't know. The um, reason I asked about the thing is because actually I do remember eating a hamburger. I don't remember who they played. Hopefully it wasn't the same people that was giving out the, the hamburgers in 2008. I don't know. But they were pretty good. I do remember that. Well, at the same time, whenever you get to this game, you'll be able to kind of check out everything. But Lindy La- or um, yeah, I did. Lindy LaRock, whenever she speaks about this group, she speaks about the depth of this group, and it continues to kind of show early in this fourth quarter when it, when the team didn't have it going. Sophomore guard Alyssa Durazo Frescas, nine points in the first quarter. She started the game three of three from the field, of course, all of which were three-pointers. She finished the game with 14 points with four made threes. She had four of the team's seven made threes, so it gives you an idea about the type of shooter that Alyssa Durazo Frescas is for this group and what it means when she does is when she is able to kind of get it going. Uh, we have basketball talk of the professional ranks. And then we have VGK talk. And we're out of here. I don't think my dad sent me a tip in. Yeah, I don't think he sent me a tip in. So we're gonna see what happens. But Basketball of the highest level. And now Vegas has it with the G League Ignite. And this is a group that we talk. We You know what? This is what I do miss about our Westgate show, Salim. We had a certain flow to the way that we would do the show. Absolutely. And... The thing that I found us talking about often, and this is just probably just our nerd aspect of what we do and what we like to do, is um, paying attention to schedules, but in a different way in the sense of how often are teams playing? Sorry, guys. And I had to, to do a double take, but I was looking at these games for the Ignite Starting early this week, I believe. Taste what, Friday? Maybe late last week. And I said, wow. For this group, and I'm sure I have it written down. I said, for wow. I said, wow, for this group, this is their fifth game in eight days. Then I looked again at the next game, and I said, wow, this is their sixth game in ten days. And then I looked last night, and I said the the G League Ignite just completed their seventh game in 12 days. This group lost last night 118-109 to the Oklahoma City Blue. We'll get to the game specifics in a brief moment. But before I do that, this team is 3-4 and four at home. In these last five games, this five – or excuse me, this seven-game homestand that they have already completed five legs of so far, they're 2-3. and three. So in these seven games in the last 12 days, this group is 4 and three so it gives you an idea as to the 500 ball that this group is playing while what head coach jason hart has already said is the nba schedule or is a schedule that's harder than an nba schedule the 500 i feel like is so perfectly encapsulates the g league ignite just because we're seeing something where a team obviously wants to win but at the same time your purpose is development so you got these two like of course you want to win, but at the same time, that's really, I mean, that's not the main goal. That's not the main purpose. The main purpose is, you know, 
to get these guys to go to the next level. And, you know, the main guy there is, of course, Scoot. You have other guys, though, like Sharif. And Speaking of Sharif, we got something to exactly. drop in very, segue. very soon. Very, very soon. Very, very soon. Interrupted segue. You know, something, something nice. A little right on top. Exactly. Um, But... Yeah, I don't want to put a date on it. I almost said when it's dropping, but I don't want to say that. This this story is so in-depth with Sharif. I'm halfway through putting the quotes in, and we're at 1,500 words. Wow. I'm excited to read it. This was this has been one of the harder stories to write. I will admit that. But uh, we talked about it before, and whenever you are – first of all, you're covering fights for us. That's, that's, where, that's where you're going to be. That's probably going to be your niche solely, but – Whenever you probably do get back out and, and covering, the next time you're on your own will probably be the G League Ignite. But the interesting thing is you pretty much said what Jason Hart has said all season long. There's a balance to trying to find out how to do, how to run this program. And like he said, his goal is to get these guys to the next level. So you'll see Scoop play 40 minutes one night, and then Scoop plays – Maybe around 26, 27 the following night, because as he said before, Scoot's going to probably get drafted. But do we want these guys going up there to get drafted and they're limping? Exactly. It's it's so hard because, you know, anybody who's played or just has had a serious fandom knows it's so ingrained in you. You want to win. So then when you have a program like this where that's not really the main purpose, I mean, it's nice, of course, but the main purpose is development. John Calipari is one of the only college coaches, I feel like, who actually, like, you could say cares more about developing his players and getting them to the first round than actually winning. Yeah. And I think that's great. Honestly. The crazy thing is it also has resulted in winning, which is... Exactly. It's almost like... <laughs> Very you get, interesting. You you know, you develop your players, you get you get them really good, you get good ones. And then you, you just so you happen can to win games. Winning. Um Wow. I guess recruiting somebody like oh, not to mention recruiting somebody like Leonard Miller helps. Leonard Miller, I was struggling. Yeah, and Leonard is here with the G League. Nineteen years so, old. Nineteen years old. I feel like I'm giving away all my hands right here. Actually, no, I'm not saying anything. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'll tell you after the show. But some teams got to draft that kid. Leonard Miller. Yeah. No, that that's going to happen. And this is just my humble opinion. I believe it's going to happen only because Leonard is 6'11 and he's a forward, right? If you look at Leonard Miller's Instagram, I believe he has 6'11 guard. Leonard played point guard in college. Or Leonard played point guard in Canada. Have you seen him rebound the ball? So I have not watched. I've only watched (laughs) like one or two G League Ignite games this year. That's, that's really interesting considering your analysis. I've watched a <laughs> lot of highlights, though. Okay. And, like, those game summaries that NBA. No, the NBA is amazing with that, but keep yeah, going. Like those nine minutes. Absolutely. Watching him, I mean, I think he's going to be unbelievable. Like, I think Scoot, obviously, is going to get drafted number two overall. Like, when Banyama said, like, if I wasn't born, he'd be the number one pick. I'm happy that he said it. Yeah. We don't have to say it. <laughs> we don't have to say it because it's... It, it, I don't think you teach 7-4 and can do what he does. I said that Kevin Durant is going to go down as the best scorer that this game has ever seen because he's 7 feet and can do what he can do. Victor is 7-4. Wemby is scary, man. That video of him, like, going over two sets of chairs, just stepping over them. Fam. 
I was in my living room by myself and I was a little scared. Terrifying. I was scared. Terrifying, bro. Somebody can't, and I'm going to always tell this story. I was standing next to somebody. I don't even want to put him out there because it, it, it may be kind of, you know, we, but we, we, we both had the same response. Somebody came up with a, a camera and was like, hey, this is during the exhibition games. Hey, who's everybody here to see? We're standing in front of the Metropolitan 92s. They're standing in a circle. The person I was standing next to looked and goes, well, look at that group right there and tell me who you think. <laughs> Maybe the guy that is 7'4". Maybe. And I mean this with, with the utmost respect, and I sincerely mean this with the utmost respect. I have seen two NBA players in my life that when I saw them, I literally thought of Space Jam, and I was like, you look like a monster. Like, you look like you were built in a lab. And that was Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis. Victor Wimbayama is number three for me. He's like four or five inches taller than those guys. It's insanely. But if you look at Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis with his skill set too, Anthony Davis is an extremely lanky person. So when you meet AD, it's like, damn, and you move like that on the court? And then Giannis is, is just Giannis. I, I told you, I seen Giannis and asked Brian Salmon from Channel 3, how much do I have to pay you to slap box Giannis? Not I enough. just want to know. Not enough, money. <laughs> Not enough, dog. Because I keep telling people all the time, you might be better off boxing Giannis. An open hand slap from Giannis? You're not winning either way. I mean, you might as well bring a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Try to shoot him. And I almost said something. I almost, yeah, never mind. That's no, just, no, no, no. Not actually, just for protection. No, 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 yeah, no. I almost said a joke that would have been, yeah. Somebody would have ran with it because my brain didn't even go there. But once I was about to say it, I was like, "No, you're right. I shouldn't have said that." But okay. And being a Florida man, this is this is not what I need to say. Being with the Florida man, I don't need to say it. But just to keep everybody going back away. to yeah, just yeah, just keep everybody in in, in Florida. Keep safe. Giannis just... in his corner of the ring. <laughs> me and mine. Nobody's gonna approach. And the, you know what? You know what? In a situation like that, you got to do like that boxer did when the fight started, and he just walked out of the ring. <laughs> Because <laughs> I would do it Because at that point You got to give me my half To show up So yeah. I'm showing up So let me see I need I need a million You give me my 500,000 That's cool I'm not going to get The other 500,000 Because I'm not going to fight him But yeah I'm a, I'll step in the ring Or just like Let him take one like No no, Not no. even one You're shot. doing a lot Yeah I'm not I'm not letting Giannis do that Like I said Slap boxing I'm not doing Boxing I feel like You can get away with maybe I really do think that Because boxing is a technique Slap boxing, you're going to get hit. So I don't boxing want that part. Boxing is a technique, but to a certain point where you have such a reach advantage. <laughs> Let's get back to basketball, I swear. Punch you like 10 feet away. He's a monster, dog, I'm telling you. And Have you ever met Giannis? No. Once, you, imagine... once you do it, you'll, you'll see why. I say, Giannis is the nicest guy in the world. But him him and Anthony Davis. Those are those are the two I'm going to mention. I haven't met everybody in the NBA by no means, but those are just two people that you see and you'll be have, like, "Have you seen Kristaps in person?" I have. I have. He's just really really tall. That's just obviously he he's he's what he is. I haven't seen him since he's bulked up. His foot like cuz in the NBA like when everybody's tall like he still looks tall cuz he's taller than everybody? No, yeah, that's a fact. But you don't really cuz NBA, I mean, the average height's like 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. So you it's there, but until you see like him stand next to regular people, I've seen photos and, where until I, you're one of those regular people. I like when even, you talk to Chris Stapps, he's in a weird way. Everybody else kind of, even if they're looking down, they it's almost like at an angle. Chris Stapps was the only person that I literally felt like I was looking directly up at. 
and that and I'm not saying it to joke around. Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson might have been the only other person that I just I literally was looking up at. Like, I don't there's no angle to this. Like, why are you towering over me? Anywho. Human beings are crazy. <laughs> like, and, and we expect these guys to go out there and run and jump as fast as they do, and they do it. This is the wild part. Um, but a little too late last night for the Ignite. The Ignite gave up a 40-point first quarter, something that head coach, head coach Jason Hart continued to go to yesterday. Jordan Shackelford, who he said was on the scouting report coming in as a shooter, as a scorer, lit the Ignite up. For seven first-half threes, he made his first three attempts all in the first quarter. I believe he had 15 points at the end of the first quarter. Marcus Graves said after the game, anytime you're a shooter and you see your first three go in, it's going to be a long day for the opponent. And we made the mistake of letting him see those first three go in, and we had to deal with it. I talked to head coach Jason Hart about the halftime adjustment because Jordan Shackelford had 28 points in the first half, and I believe he had 36 by the end of the game. So we had eight in the second half. And like Jason Hart said, he was on the scouting report as a shooter. It shouldn't take for him to make seven in the first half for the team to react because the second half showed him that the team knew that, that they understood the scouting report. And as you said before, this group is young, yes, but this group is also just developing in a couple of different ways because you already talked about what the, what the main uh, objective of this group is. Random aside, do you think What's John up? Jenkins is ever going to get another shot at the NBA? I do. He's been he's been really good. I do. I don't know if you saw that Birmingham game, but G League Ignite record 11 three-pointers. I believe it was 11 of 17 from three. I think he could really help something, at least at the end of a bench. The Lakers are missing what? Shooting, Shooting correct? and, well, they're <laughs> people that can shooting. create their own let's just stay with shooting, shooting yeah. but people who can create their own shots things of that nature John Jenkins absolutely can help somebody out do I think he'll get a shot yes ultimately why do I believe he'll get a shot because he can shoot yeah. and that's just an underrated quality that never goes away so and like John Jenkins said too earlier this year, he dealt with a back issue. John Jenkins, when he came back, he was on a minute he was on a minute restri restriction. So I believe he couldn't play more than 15 minutes the first game, and I think more than 20 the second game. Then I think he was off the restriction. Like he said, when he first got to the NBA, he only played 10, 12, 15 minutes a game. His goal inside when in those 10, 12, 15 minutes, go get yours. Yeah. We know that you're a shooter. We're going to cause some back picks for you. We're going to get you to the corner. We're going to get you in open space. John is still doing the same thing today. So there's a lot of people on this G League, G League Ignite team that I do believe will get an opportunity at the next level. You mentioned John Jenkins. John Jenkins ultimately led this team in scoring yesterday, albeit majority of the heavy lifting came in the second half. He did have a team high 25 points. Fellow guard Scoot Henderson that you just mentioned before, the projected number two overall pick, shot 5 of 15 from the field, didn't have a good shooting night, did have 12 points. They Those were the only two starters in double figures for the Ignite. However, on the opposite side, you have four players on the bench mob getting into double figures. Leonard Miller was one of those, 17 points on 8 of 16 from the field. To go along with seven rebounds, this group accounted for 59 of the Ignite's you, 109. Just because you've covered both teams you've been to the arenas how would you describe the difference in the atmosphere between a UNLV basketball game a UNLV like men's game and a G League Ignite game 
I believe that the G League ignites fan base with respect to. Uh, this is gonna be crazy. I think they do have a fan base. Let me just say that. I think the G League ignites supportive fan base has not shown this face yet. Yeah, and it makes sense. They're very just, new. Just starting, very new. Just starting out. I think that what's going to happen, my humble opinion, I think draft night's gonna come. I think Scoot Henderson will be picked number two overall. And I think you will see highlights from the Dollar Loan Center. And people in Las Vegas will go, no shit. And I think next year I'll be a better judge of it for you. To counter your point, or no, not to counter your point, to answer the second half of your point. When I got here in 2017, I will tell you what I was told. And I just told somebody the story recently. I was told that I do not know what Vegas can be as a sports town until the running Rebels make the tournament. That'll be fun. That's what I will say. And I'll be a complete bandwagon fan. I mean, you're supposed to. You went there. I you kind of reserved the right. tuition. No, you've, you've earned your stripes. Sports teams took away a lot of our funding at the, uh, at the, at the paper, so... Talk about anyway, it. Let's not talk, let's talk about it. No, we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, but the Ignite, they will continue their seven season-long seven-game homestand on Monday. I know, guys, don't freak out, but it the game is on Monday at 3 p.m. What are we doing for the radio show? I don't know just yet. <laughs> Maybe I can do a late one Monday night. Maybe do one from the Dollar Loan Center before the game. Maybe. Uh, I'm just not sure yet, but the jury's still out on now when I will obviously uh, update everything, update you guys via the social media once the team as a whole go ahead and t- uh, goes ahead and talks about it. Really quick before we move on to the hockey, uh, to the hockey portion of the show and we end this show, let's talk about, I said who they play tomorrow, right? I didn't. They play Fort Wayne tomorrow. They play the Fort Wayne Mad Ants tomorrow. That is January. I said tomorrow. Monday. That is January 16th. You ever been to Fort Wayne? 3 p.m. Absolutely not. Why would I go to Fort Wayne? I don't know. Have you been to Fort Wayne? No. Do you want to go to Fort Wayne? Not really. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out what the hell you asked me. Uh, Just making conversation. <laughs> that was That's probably great radio, too, the fact that I was like, no, why, why are you asking me that? Um, but I do have some new news for you. Did you hear that Mac McClung, who was actually a participant and member of the Delaware Blue Coats in the G League, will be participating in the NBA dunk contest? I did hear that. That's awesome. Mac becomes the first G League player to ever play, or excuse me, to ever participate in the slam dunk contest. I think it's dope. It's the NBA G League. I think it's dope. I wish I could get excited about the slam dunk contest, but it's, I don't know, man. I mean, if we if you've watched Max since he was in high school and then obviously the viral dunks in high school, where with all due respect to him, everybody, I'm sure he'll tell you, everybody started off by saying, who's this white kid dunking? Who is this white kid doing East Bay's in the middle of the game? Who is this white kid almost breaking backboards? And then you watch them at Georgetown and you go, Oh, he's a basketball player. Like, he could play. And then you still see him jumping out of the gym. So now you see him in the G League, whether it was with Santa Cruz originally, whether it was with the Lakers originally. Now you see him with Delaware. I think he's going to put on the show. I don't know if he wins. I know that he'll have a fan base for him, that'll vote for him. Who's it? He's going to so, put on the show. Right now, he's the first name I've heard so far. So him, uh, I think 
Kenyon Martin Jr. KJ, I'm, KJ. that'd be nice. Uh, I think he's in. Oh, you're absolutely right. And who else? Shaden Sharp Sh- from Portland. That's, yeah, exactly. That's the winner. <laughs> Shaden Sharp is that the winner. That guy's unbelievable, man. Shaden's not fair. <laughs> he's gonna be a superstar. A hundred percent. And you're absolutely right with KJ too, by the way. Um, so one other thing is being added to NBA All Star Weekend. Are you aware of this? The NBA G League now has an up next game where they will have 12, well, excuse me, where they will have 24 players from the G League who will take place, who will take part in this game. 10 players will be selected by a fan vote. The remaining 14 players will be selected by the G League, by the NBA G League as a whole. One player from the Ignite will, well, obviously, um, will be a part of it. At least one member of the Salt Lake City Stars, which is the G League affiliate for the Utah Jazz, where the All-Star game is being held, has to be picked as well. So I like the fact that I like kind of those rules. You're going to get somebody from the G League Ignite. I think you might get two. I think you might get Leonard Miller, and I think you might get Scoot Henderson. I can see if Leonard doesn't make it for a couple of different reasons, but I would like to see Leonard against some of this top-tier competition. And I love what the NBA is doing, incorporating uh, the G League more into things. I agree, too, because, I, I mean, you want the eyes on it, right? When they have the D-League, uh, I think they blew an opportunity to do that. But now I think they understand the importance of this, you know. I mean, they, they, they pitched it as the minor leagues for basketball, right? And that's what it, you know, every team has an affiliate now, you know. Even the NBA has two of them. The NBA has the Ignite, and then they have Mexico City, right? So, they and by the way, the NBA is smart. Because these two NBA affiliates in the G League just so happen to be in two places that you're planning on expanding. Right, exactly. No better way than to test it, right? Well, I will say, with this new NBA All-Star format for the G League uh, up next game, first of all, I even like the name. I think you're going to see, first of all, the picture, the players that they have on this uh, flyer right here, um, and I don't want to go through all of them per se, but I'll just give you guys a handful of the names on here. Sharif Cooper is on here. Scoot Henderson is on here. Mac McClung is on here. And then you have former NBA champion Devontae Kaycock. Kaycock is on here. So you're going to get some faces that you you may even be like, well, I remember you. Like you were yeah. maybe 12th on the Lakers bench in 2020 when they won a championship or a reserve. And then you realize Devontae Kaycock is absolutely balling for the Motor, for the Motor City Cruise. So... This is going to, like you said before, this is going to be an opportunity to where you can see these different young, talented players take play, take uh, stage kind of in the middle of one of the biggest things of the season for this NBA association or for this association. And I think what, again, what makes it more powerful than anything, as you said before, is the way that these players will be not even voted on, but selected, right? Yeah. You got 10 players that are going to be picked by, via fan vote. So now you're going to see who the fans are gravitating towards. I'm pretty sure you're going to see Jaden Hardy in this game. I, I'm oh, just, 100%. Fam. So got like, it, got it. Yeah, you're going to get there. some huge moments from some players that you're probably going to hear from from the next 12, 15, maybe even 20 years. I'm really looking forward to it. No, Dog, I'm lit to the point to where I, we've talked about it before. The lady, shout out to the Lady Rebels. The Lady Rebels make the NCAA tournament. They just so happened to draw a game in Arizona. Matt and I, we were in Arizona. Utah's not far. 
Salt Lake City is like a what eight hour drive, nine hour drive, something like that. I don't want to go to Utah for any other reason besides work. Maybe I go next month. <laughs> would you fly there or would you drive? I would probably want to drive, to be honest, completely honest with you. That's just me. Utah does have a nice landscape. I'll say that. You can't take that away. I'm going to be honest. Matt and I drove to Arizona, and it was a hop, skip, and a jump. <laughs> yeah. We listened to one Bussin' with the Boys podcast, and I feel like we looked up and was like, oh, we're here. Well, there goes that. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, come July, July 14th and 15th, the WNBA All-Star Game is here in Vegas. Should be good. At the MGM? Um, Mandalay Bay. Mandalay Bay. Okay. The Michelob Ultra Arena, technically. So, I will double check because as of right now, that's just my humble opinion. I believe that it's there because obviously, you know, if it's going to be in Vegas, they're going to have um, Aces branding, Aces colors, Aces. Um, they have Aces. Um hidden logos kind of in the all-star logo so you understand obviously the hosting team rather but as you said before that is going to be interesting to see because maybe it's at the Michelob maybe you do it at the MGM maybe you do it at T-Mobile if you can I don't know but T-Mobile would be great T-Mobile would be amazing I don't know if there's a better venue I said the ballpark is very very close but I don't know if there's a better venue than the T-Mobile arena here in Vegas I went to a Golden Knights game last year it's probably amazing it was against the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> the Devils won. Huh. But it was it was nice. Well, what I will say. Got some chicken fingers, some fries. So what what was better, the chicken fingers from T-Mobile or the burger from uh, Thomas and Matt? burger. But, you, you really know, it's been years, burger. so I don't know. Oh, but I say you really want that burger, don't you? Be nice. Well, Vegas just participated again at the T-Mobile Arena recently against your Florida Panthers. Except it wasn't a loss for them. It was a victory for them despite falling behind one goal on two separate occasions. They did it behind a, a three-goal third period, which ultimately was the deciding factor in this game. Jack Eichel ended up getting a goal. To start off things in the third period, William Carrier followed up. And then as Matt would typically say, the Williams, the second of the Williams, added an insurance goal in an empty net fashion. William Carlson, <coughs> pardon this this team is dealing with injury, right? Mark Stone goes down in this one. They're slowly getting back healthy, right? Uh, Alex Petrangelo returns to the team a couple of weeks ago. You get Jack Eichel to return to the team, I believe, last week. And then you get this big-time win for this group. I think what's, what's most important to watch with this group is as much as we have tried to figure out this season if they are one of the better teams in the NHL, their lead in the Pacific Division has gotten significantly smaller. They are only up by two points in the Pacific Division right behind the LA Kings. They are 28-13-2 on a year with 58 points. They're fourth in the NHL. <laughs> so they're back in action. Uh-oh. So they're back in action uh, tomorrow. Against the Edmonton Oilers at 7 p.m. I am headed out. Salim, you are headed out. Until next time, guys, keep on talking.